At one point in time, our guest today was one of only 50 woman metal workers in the United States of America. What does it take? What kind of tools do you use to bend metal to your will in order to make massive sculptures that resemble sailboats and the cosmos? On this episode of The Cultured Podcast, we're talking to metalworker Karina Sephora, who takes us on a hot journey through metalsmithing. Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Corey, and together we'll journey into the unknown reaches of the art world. Congratulations, you are now woke. As in, like, woken up, not awakened, you know. I haven't just, like, bestowed upon you enlightenment through my obnoxious singing, you know. I wish that worked, right? Like an opposite Ursula (laughs) from Little Mermaid. Okay, my producer's giving me weird looks. So I'm going to move on. Hi, guys. Welcome to this episode. I just love that we're talking regularly again because this is like filling my life with such joy and I hope that it is doing the same for you. That's the whole point of this, right? This week we're talking to Karina Sephora, as you already know, because, you know, we teased it up at the beginning of the episode. But before we get into that, I just wanted to talk about self-assuredness. That is what is inspiring me, especially when it comes to women. Self-assuredness can be a hard attained quality. We are told a lot of the time in society, no matter what gender or non-binary identity that you have, you are told how to be. Your parents tell you how to be according to whatever societal or cultural norms there are. Then your work tells you how to be, whether it's through dress or your actions or personality traits. We're told how to be way too damn much because you know who we should be? Exactly whoever the heck we are. Mm hmm. Okay. So what I love is that we have, through this show, explored these different art forms that are the results of people who are doing them, doing exactly who they are, no matter what people have told them in the past. Look at Frico, who is an earlier episode. He expresses himself with Crayola markers on printer paper and has made a booming career out of doing that, doing exactly what comes naturally to him. He plays with the psyche of his audience because they're expecting him to be a certain way. And then he throws curveballs. And then we have somebody like Molly Brodak, who broke into the cookie industry with a completely different style. And everyone told her this isn't the way that this is done. Or, you know, you need to have a specific curated look across your Instagram channel. And she was like, you know what? F y'all. I don't need to do that. I need to do me. I need to do exactly what feels naturally to me. There is a courage and there is a power in doing that, in honoring yourself in honoring your truth and knowing exactly who you are and how you want to express that person. And you know what? We're many people. We're many traits. We're many versions of ourselves. So there's something about embracing all of the different versions of yourself and allowing them to flow freely out of you that gives you a sense of power and gives you a sense of individuality. And some of the most successful people I've ever met who are living on purpose are the people who exercise that consistently and constantly and unabashedly. Hmm. 
Mm, mm. Do you feel fired up? Do you just want to like go express yourself super freely right now? Do you want to be like self-assured? Do you? Because I do. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, y'all go fly your little freak flags. Let's be ourselves. You got me. I got your back. I am totally validating you. Go do it. Don't hurt anyone. (laughs) It's a time and place where you kind of have to have that caveat, right? Don't hurt people. Love you guys. Okay, let's get into our interview. This is a really fabulous one, and it's one that aligns very nicely with doing you and being exactly who you are and having that power and shouting it loud. Without further ado, it's Karina. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Michelle. You are a metal artist, but you're a lot more than that. You're pretty much a hyper-creative So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as an artist? What is it that you do? All the different mediums and art forms. I work as a multimedia artist. Uh, My concentration is with metal. When did you first get into metalworking? Age five. My dad was very much into this philosophy of living off the land. Pretty much I didn't let my dad out of my sight. Right. If he went to the barn to milk the cow, I went to the barn. If he went out to the garden, I went out to the garden. If he went to the shop, you know, like I still remember the smell of the the earth. My dad also liked to have vintage cars and work on them. Like he's real like, I don't want to say do it yourselfer because that doesn't really even encompass it. But if a couple days went and he never had to leave, you know, our property, he was very happy. Right. And there was so much metal around you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah, exactly. So, so much to work with in all different ways. Yeah. Which I mean, it's kind of adorable when I think about it. I called it the electric lightning. I had my own little mask. And I'm not going to say I was creating any art or anything when I was five, although I was drawing a lot at that time and always encouraged, you know, you're going to be an artist. If you want to be an artist, you can be an artist. If you want to work with metal. And I I loved being there, you know, the sparks, the smells, the sounds. It was a little bit scary, but it was also fun. What was that thought process like when it transferred from being a chore to an art form? I can remember the moment, actually. So there I am. I'm in high school and I'm in Mr. Marset's jewelry silversmithing class. And I've done this little drawing of these sort of wavy pieces of um, metal that all kind of lined up. And I had this black snowflake obsidian stone and I soldered all these pieces together. You know, I, I, I bent them and then I hammered them and then I soldered them. And there was something about using the torch and it was really in the moments of creating this bracelet, actually, that... I was just like, I love this, you know, like I would make things out of coil for ceramics and I'd make these beautiful pots and it'd have it on a shelf and my freaking cat would knock it off the shelf and it would smash, you know, and it was not fun. I'd be like, I put so much work into that thing and it's broken on the floor, you know, if it wasn't the cat, I'd drop it, you know, but I I liked building things. And if I, you know, think back to being with my dad in the garage and, you know, building sawmills out of you know, powered from engines of cars, you know, as one does, <laughs> as one does at age five, you know. And uh, so there I am, I'm in high school and I'm making these pieces. And I was just like, I love this. What is it that, you know, that moment of creating the bracelet and falling in love with the art form and with the physicality of working with metal? What was it about working with metal that really clicked for you? It was somewhere between like taking those little pieces of silver and hammering them and watching the metal move the way I hammered it, right? I We annealed it, which later I learned is altering the molecular structure when you right. heat up metal, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's 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 got to be this powerful feeling that comes with 
um, moving metal, mm -hmm. something that we're mm -hmm. told is so strong and powerful, yeah. and then being the force behind molding it. Yeah. Yeah, there was something that I felt like a permanence, and I felt this sort of endless possibility, right? And I knew, you know, the bracelet was fine, it was pretty, you know what I mean? And, it, and there was something long-lasting about it. But I knew at that time that I wanted to build sculpture. I wanted to build pieces that were my size and larger. I, I really knew I wanted to work with, like, old metal, like recycled metal. And I wanted to learn all that I possibly could about metal. Like, mm -hmm. I, I remember that being like a philosophy for myself. Mr. Marset was very encouraging. And he would send my work to, we had the Boston Globe Scholastic Art Awards, and he would be like, okay, fill this out. You know, we're going to take a picture of your work. We're going to send it. And so I started winning awards for my drawings, for my prints, you know, and I remember that feeling. And I think he might have sent some of the jewelry pieces too. So you had this structure of support and also validation teachers, really. that really, you know, shot you into your career with metalworking, it sounds like, mm -hmm. which obviously has come a long way. I went to college uh, at Massachusetts College of Art in Boston, and there I was a metal smithing and sculpture dual major, and that was in 1990. Oh so in 1991, uh, yeah. So and I and I loved it. And I was uh, 18. So your entire career has been as a working artist, metal artist. That's yeah. an incredible accomplishment, and I think it's a testament to. If you love something and mm -hmm. you're passionate about it and you're smart about it and you see it as a business, you can thrive. Yeah. So I really was raised with the philosophy and the, you know, the idea, Karina, you can be an artist, you know, you can do whatever you want. You just put your mind to it. And that's a lot of what I impart um, upon teaching. I teach here at my studio and I'm also an adjunct professor at um, Spelman. Mm. What? And I have a real soft spot for, I'll just say, empowering women to, you know, work with their hands, work with tools, you know, and I'm, I'm, I love teaching men as well, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's not always ex as accessible, I think, to women. Right. Historically, right? And that has changed drastically in, in my lifetime. When mm -hmm. I first opened my studio, they did this study. Uh, there was a TV show that did a, a program on me, and they did this, like, intricate study. And they said, you, do you know there's 50 women in America that are doing basically what you're doing? I mean, and that's to a number of, like, maybe 2,000 men, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not mm -hmm. that, you know, it's a minority inside of a minority, mm -hmm. if you want to, you know, look at it that way. So what is it like to work with metal? Uh, what are the kinds of tools that you use? I was in an art opening last night. I was describing to some people about what it's like to work with tools and hot metal. And I said, you know, it's like when you work with clay or you paint or you draw or you sew or, you know, anything, you, you've got your hands, you've got your fingers, you can manipulate the material. I said, but when you work with metal, especially hot metal, your tools really have to become like your fingertips. You have to be that in tune with your working relationship with the tools that you're working with. And then I said, it's kind of like Edward Scissorhand because <laughs> I realized I'm like talking with my hands, you know, and I was like, I mean, it's not like that, but it is kind of like that, right? I know, yeah. It's, they yeah, become I know. an extension. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it would be even more uh, convenient if it was. <laughs> <laughs> for some things, yeah. Uh, only for metalworking. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you have been at it with metalworking for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And now you focus on themes surrounding uh, oceans, um, water in different ways. When did you first start focusing on nautical themes? I had just had my first um, solo slash duo show at iDrum, the old iDrum on MLK. And I built this sculpture that was a walking boat. That was really the first. But you hadn't really done nautical theme. Yeah, and that was like in the early 2000s. 
Now, a little backtrack, my stepdad was a boat builder and his father was a sea captain for the Dutch royalty and was in the Royal Sea oh Navy. Oh my God. Yeah. Navy. Okay, yeah. so there were some there was subliminal some, messages yep. going on there. Yeah, so okay. I grew up being, um, you know, boat, you know, with my dad, he was building houses and he was building sawmills and gardens and stuff and with my stepdad. And so like in my artist statement, I just say my father and I kind of merge both of the attributes that I got from both of these men um, wow. into one because yes. it's complicated to say, well, I learned this from my stepfather and I learned that from my dad. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I say my father and I, I talk about the breadth of what I gained from a father, mm -hmm. which was really two people. So I had a lot of influences uh, around boats, boat building, and being on the water. After I built that walking boat, I had a challenge from one of my professors, and he said, Karina, why don't you stick with the boat form? So you asked, how long have I been working with these nautical themes? And that must have been about 2002, right? And so I did. I, I, I took that as a, a point of departure, right? And for a little over a decade, I worked with um, boats and water and those themes. And I centered work in a wide variety. You know, my thesis was about family memory and personal history and immigration. So there was a lot of boat imagery that was, that was you know, no pun intended, stitched into that. One was cloth and one was metal. And then a, a row of portholes. One thing that's important to me, especially with work that's in the public and especially outdoors, is that there's something about that work that has people pause. Right. Now, if I really tell the truth, um, the work that's in a gallery is also one of my intentions for people to have that space to pause, mm -hmm. right? Where we're so busy all the time and we go at such fast paces in life. And I can remember actually very early on, sort of maybe between high school and college, and one of my intentions was to be able to create work that actually made people stop. For many years, I worked predominantly, you know, just with metal. And the last couple of years, I've been uh, focusing on my painting and drawing a lot, and specifically this last year. Why, why focusing on painting and drawing now? A little over a year ago, I just, I radically shifted my studio practice. And as an artist, uh, a lot of the work that I was doing was commissions and I would stay very busy and, you know, lucky to have the commissions I had. But I wanted to create some time and space to have an idea and let that idea lead to the next idea and the next idea and really build a body of work. Mm -hmm. um, I was also going through a period of time where... <sighs> For lack of better words, like I just felt like I wanted to be more in my feminine space, in like a softer space and, you know, working with metal and fire and tools, you know, that really demands like another aspect of self, which is very mechanical and planned out and thought out and structured and I would say much more masculine, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. part of the reason that I was in this space that I was just feeling a lot softer was it was shortly after my mom passed away. And um, it was really like the catalyst for me shifting the focus in my life. She was a Sufi, which like the poet Rumi, you know, yes. he's sort of like someone who we know um, very well. He, he was also Sufi. And there's a lot of philosophies about death that's not necessarily like a final or an ending or completion, but more so um, like a transition. And really her passing was like the catalyst for a lot of shift and change. And I really allowed myself some space of mourning, you know, mm -hmm. in that sense of waking up in the middle of the night and crying. Yes. And what I found myself doing was painting. And there was something about the soft materials. And my intention was really to create a space of like communication and receptivity to her energy. In this latest show that you've done, 
you combine the concepts of the vastness of the ocean Mm -hmm. and the vastness of our known universe, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I think is always this stunning comparison. Um, And there are so many similarities between our ocean here on this planet and the vastness of our universe. So what compelled you to combine those concepts? This year, I was invited to be a visiting artist in Pensacola, Florida. And I was invited by one of my students from about 15 years ago, who is now the director of the sculpture program there. Wow. It was a weekend class. He was my student. And evidently, inside of our conversation, I told him, I said, Jimmy, you're a really great um, artist. You're great at doing this metal work. You should stick with it. Now, he had always been sort of like the back of the class, you know, that kind of thing. And for him, he, he was like, hey this person that I totally respect. So as a thank you for the path that he went down in his life, right, in his career, he invited me to come and be a visiting artist. Oh my God, Karina, that's incredibly powerful. Oh, I mean, it's been like a turning point for me, you know? (sighs) Yeah. It was such an honor. And they had me do a visiting artist uh, series of lectures and presentations and um, along with an exhibition. And so I thought, well, I mean, what do I love more than anything? I love the ocean. I love just being at the edge of the water, looking out over that water, that endless horizon. So I booked an extra um, two days and I was sort of like the featured artist um, inside the gallery exhibition. And um, it was great with the glass artists, right, too. Three other glass artists that were women. So we did presentations at the college and then also at this art center over a couple of days. Did you already know that you wanted to combine the concepts of the universe and the ocean going into that? No, that's, this, is the, this is the catalyst moment that happened. And so there it is. It's my birthday, right? And I get this beautiful hotel right on the water. So I had this like space to just be. And I'd been very busy with the students and very busy with, you know, the faculty and very busy with the public and the exhibition and the talks and all that. And so it was nice to just be still and be meditative and be quiet and look at the sunset on the on the water. It's on the West Coast. I mean, it was just like endlessly gorgeous. And in that space, in that vastness of looking out over the water, my artwork leading up to that, right, the paintings especially, had this... Um, space where they had started to feel like the universe, you know, and somewhat intentional, right? There's the uh, ethereal, which is a ladder um, that just goes up into space mm. um, in in a corner, and it has these flowers on the wall. And the flowers are intended to feel almost like how stars would or sort of like falling petals. And I, I started that piece actually before my mom passed. That one's all metal. And that was a piece where I was imagining this journey, right? Like the Vikings would send their dead to the next world through this boat, right? But I started to think about what would this journey be? You know, my mom really knows that she's on this space um, of transitioning to something new, right? And I mentioned in the Sufi tradition, it's like a marriage or a birth or a, it's a new beginning, more so than it's a final and an ending or it's a part of this cycle, and so I thought she's this amazing gardener and she's going to be picking flowers. I mean, I didn't know I was just playing. Right. And I was like trying to get into that concept. And so I started to get to this peaceful space when my work started to really feel like the universe, the piece that's pictured on the invitation, it's called celestial bodies. And so I was really in this space of feeling peace, um, with the cosmos and, and it took a while. It took um, almost a year to get there, right? Wow. So Of feeling at peace with the cosmos. And doing the work. Hmm. And when I say doing the work, it's like 
the studio practice for me really changed. It really shifted and became a, a new priority, right? And there was something that happened for me in creating that celestial bodies piece where I really felt that I was going into this vastness of the universe inside that piece of work, right? Inside, when I'd look at the painting, I, I finally felt that feeling of the mystery and the beauty and the vastness of that unknown space. And that perhaps that was the domain, right? Where my mom is. So I had this very like specific connection. And then there I am, I'm at the ocean and I'm watching the, the night sky. And I look out over that horizon that's endless. And there was something for me about that plane of the vastness of the water and that vastness of the universe. And like, you can't really see where they meet. And I started to think about that poem from Rumi, you know, where he says, there's a field and I'll meet you there. Mm, and wow. somehow that was sort of it for me. It was the space. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much, Karina. This has been so inspiring. And the fact that you, we were able to do it in your studio, uh, I have got to get some pictures um, because it's just it's just a merging of metal and paint and symbolism and color and the, you know, the universe and the ocean and your creativity. It's it's stunning. So thank you so much for being on the Cultured Podcast. Oh, you're welcome. It's been my pleasure. I mean, is Karina not just like molten lava? <laughs> okay, I need a lot more dad jokes about metalsmithing. So if you have any dad jokes about metalworking, please send them to info at culturedpodcast.com. This is of the utmost importance, okay? Anyway, you can find Karina online on the socials as Karina Sephora Metal Artist. And you can see some of her incredible work all across the socials and on the website. But of course, go to culturedpodcast.com to get those links. And in the meantime, we're going to go to work on our next episode for you. It's going to be a tasty one. So much fun. Keep it classy. Keep it curious. Keep it cultured like yogurt. Visit culturedpodcast.com for show notes and subscription links. The Cultured Podcast is a production of my podcast production company, Frequency Media. I'm the host, Michelle Corey. Ina Garkusha is our fabulous producer. Becca Godwin is our wonderful associate producer. Our sound engineers are Cooper Skinner and Dante Hodge. And we're recording at Listen Up Audio in Atlanta, Georgia.